Welcome to the Misfit Stars podcast. I'm Shannon Curtis. And I'm Jamie Hill. Hi, listeners. Shannon and I are a married pair of working artists. Whoa. Whoa. And this podcast is our weekly date for getting on microphones and talking with one another and with our community, that's you, about stuff that matters to us. We're so glad you're here. And hi, sweetheart. Hello. Hi. Nice to see you over there on the couch. Oh, nice to see you there on the chair. Mm. Yeah. Mm, Here for our date. It's a good date. I'm into it. Shall we start out with some announcements, announcements, announcements? Yeah. Actually, it's just one announcement. So I shouldn't have said the plural S at the end of that word, but that's okay. Uh, We have one announcement, and that is that we have a Misfit Stars Zoom meetup on the calendar. How exciting. Coming up on Sunday, May 22nd from 3 p.m. Pacific time to 6 p.m. Pacific time. Mm -hmm. If you're on the East Coast, that's 6 p.m. Eastern time Mm -hmm. to 9 p.m. Eastern time. If you're in a different time zone, just do the math. I'm sure you you can handle that. This is a meetup on Zoom for members of Misfit Stars. These are the wonderful people who are monthly supporters of of our work. Our work. And, and it, become... it helps so much. Thank you all so much. Yes, so much. It's like the reason we're still living indoors and eating food. It's so true. Thank um, you. And we are going to have a meetup on Zoom uh, in a couple weeks. And if you are a member of Misfit Stars, you already received an email uh, transmission from us with the Zoom link and the date and time. Uh, it's also an event inside the social network, Misfit Stars social network, so you've been invited there as well. Mm-hmm. We've been just hitting you with invitations left and right. There's no reason at all for you not to hit that RSVP button and let us know you're going to be there and show up whenever you want to. It's like an open house. You don't have to be there for the whole three hours. Yeah. We'll be there, Shannon and I, for the whole three hours, but you can just show up when you like and take off when you like. It's very open housey in that way. You don't yeah. have to show up right at three and you don't have to stay right until you could show up, I don't know, at 4.45. Cruise in. For like 50 minutes. Yeah, whatever you we're, want. We're not your mom. You just do what you like. You come on by. Peace and it's in, just, peace out, you know. It's just conversation. Uh, sometimes it's uh, it's all of the following. It's lighthearted and funny and fun. Also, sometimes someone will want to talk for a minute about something deep and we'll all go there together and we'll have like a really deep little conversation mm. for a bit. It's just like kind of like a gathering in real life could be among a bunch of really cool people. It's what you make it. Yeah. It's what we make it. We do it together. It's a great time. Yeah. Anyone who's not part of Misfit Stars but is like, you know what? I could really use a healthy, nurturing community to hang out with. Join us. Yeah. Misfitstars.com slash join. Yes. If you start, if you become a member of Misfit Stars, we'll send you an invitation to this meetup. Yeah. It can happen just like that. Bam. Yeah. So that's my one announcement. Uh, Jamie, how are you feeling today? Thanks for asking, Sugar. You know, today I'm feeling pretty steady and pretty calm. That's good. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Nothing too turbulent is going on in my interior life. Mm -hmm. Nothing too turbulent is going on in my exterior life. Mm -hmm. Everything is just kind of... Doing all right right now. I feel focused. Uh, I'm excited about things we're working on. I don't know. Cool. I'm just all right. Uh, you know, I'm still, I'm preoccupied for sure. I mean, the world mm. is just becoming increasingly a more preoccupying place again. <laughs> we had that nice little respite, didn't we, for like a year when we could just kind of, you know, pump the brakes on like just being constantly freaked out about everything. It's, it feels like that time is ending, mm-hmm. you know, which means I have to be more on top of my self-care. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know... Today's all right. I'll take it. Good. That's, One day at a time. That's it. 
How are you feeling? That's it. So today I'm feeling a little bit tired. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's for a couple of reasons. We had uh, some friends who were in from out of town that came out and hung out with us in our backyard for a little while this afternoon, which mm-hmm. was lovely. Mm-hmm. But peopling just makes me tired these days. Yeah. So after a social hangout like that, I always feel a little... <laughs> um, and also I've been... Uh, prepping the release of uh, a new song, which you're going to hear in a little bit here on the podcast. Um, but that involves a lot of writing for me to mm-hmm. get the the song, the essay, you know, written and prepared. And so it just, it's requiring a lot of focus. And so I feel a little tired from that too. Yeah. But um, I also, and I, and I know we, we have a gratitude section at the end of our podcast, but one of the feelings I'm feeling today is grateful mm-hmm. um and, and, and i was trying to pinpoint like exactly what it was i kind of feel, I feel i'm feeling grateful for the time of life that i'm in right now mm. like like I, I feel like i i am in a place where i i know myself uh i know how to care for myself um i'm getting better at those two things all the time mm-hmm. uh but i'm still curious about and like motivated to explore and try new things mm-hmm. um and I have the opportunity to share and all you know, whatever I've learned in my life and my experience with people who are younger than me. And like, it just feels like, I, I mean, I really like where I am mm-hmm. in my life right now. And I, and I was just feeling that in a grateful kind of way today. Well, that's pretty neat. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So I have another item for our actual gratitude practice at the end of this, but, but that's, it was just, a, it was like a pervasive feeling that I had today. So I wanted to share. I love it. That's really cool. Yeah. So uh, let's fire up that good news machine. What you got? Okay. This is really cool. Um, I read this last week uh, uh, that um, in California, uh, on Saturday, last this this past Saturday, I should say. So like a couple days ago. Yeah. Um, California on that day Mm -hmm. uh, was powered like like the electricity that the state needs, the mm-hmm. entire state, mm-hmm. it was powered just shy of 100%. It was actually 99.87% mm-hmm. by renewable energy. Dang. It, and that was a record breaker. It, like it was two thirds of, 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 so it's like there's 18,000 megawatts that are needed, that were needed that day. Like on a daily basis. Like yeah. on, on Saturday, 18,000 megawatts were, were required. Okay. Two thirds of those 18,000 megawatts were provided by solar. Mm-hmm. that were loaded into the energy grid. Um, and the rest came from wind, geothermal, and other renewable sources. Wow. That's incredible. That's so neat. Like, I mean, it's a huge state, right? With yeah. a lot of power needs. It's like the biggest. Yeah. yeah. And that they achieved on this one day the ability to generate almost the entirety of the power required We could statewide. round up, we could give them the extra 0.13%. Totally. That's incredible. It's basically a hundred. It's incredible, you know, and we're, you know, we're, we're living in an era where, you know, it is on, for so many reasons, our reliance on fossil fuels for energy is just increasingly a bad idea. It's been a bad idea for a long time. But, but it's, boy, it's an extra bad idea lately. I mean, it sure is. I mean, like, stuff with, you know, going on with Russia and like mm-hmm. the oil and gas supplies, you know, worldwide that that's making an impact on. The fact of of climate change and global warming, I mean, have you seen in the news about how the, in the last few weeks, the temperatures in India and Pakistan- They've been like, like in the 120s. Deadly, like yeah. not getting below the 120s. Like yeah. it's just, it's an, it's just crazy. And so like, 
it's it's really important for us to transition to renewable energy. And you hear people all the time, and you hear people all the time say this because it's a message that's been paid for (laughs) by fossil fuel companies and lobbyists and whatnot. You hear this, oh, it's just too hard to transition to all renewables. Like that's a message that's been like hammered home to us. It's a lie for decades because the fossil fuel industry doesn't want us to transition because they they enjoy their multi-billion dollar profits and subsidies from the government. Hell yeah. They get paid to do this to us. I know, right? So By us. To see this in just in black and white, the biggest state with the biggest population, 100% that day powered by renewable energy. Like, this is possible. And that is great yeah. news. And like, we really need to be thinking in terms of that kind of possibility for all of us going forward. Absolutely like, true. It was, And we should note that this doesn't involve any kind of vehicles. This has nothing to do oh, with oh, that. This is, this is just like stuff coming through the grid. Yeah, and when I say oil and gas from Russia and that kind of thing, you know, you know, yes, some some... Some of that oil is made into gasoline, diesel that fuel our cars, transportation things. Like that. But like the 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 gas part of that is like natural gas, like mm-hmm. it's, it's which is used for energy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, transitioning away and and all of it, all the fossil fuel production is contributing to accelerating climate change mm-hmm. and is you know making an impact around the world. But yeah, it's it was great news, and I just I, I needed to share it here. So thanks, I love it for letting me do that. Yeah. Shall we uh, get less dumb? Class, anyone? Anyone? So my get less dumb, my let's get less dumb for this week, you're not going to like it. No one's going to like it. Oh, really? It's sort of a combination of let's get less dumb and this feels important, honestly. Oh, okay. It's sort of an educational piece (laughs) about something bad. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 Yeah. And this ties back to last week's discussion. Uh, It's it's an ongoing discussion, right? Of this imminent, looming Supreme Court striking down of Roe versus Wade. Right. Uh, You know, so one of the people that Justice Alito cited in this draft opinion... I think I know where you're going with this. Oh, it's terrible. It's this, I, it's, this guy, Sir Matthew Hale, right? Mm-hmm. So I just want to talk a little bit about who is Sir Matthew Hale because uh, Justice Alito uh, leaned on him heavily, In right? His because draft a, yeah, but the whole like foundation, and you know, if you read any of the draft opinion, the way Alito kind of laid it out is he kind of went back to like if you go back to the beginning of law in the United States, there's never been any sort of jurisprudential foundation. There's never been any any legalistic framework for abortion. And indeed, much of the common law that led to the founding of this country was explicitly anti-abortion, right? Not to mention the fact that there was also not law giving women full citizenship. Oh, hell no. Or black people. Uh, Like, (laughs) it's insane. Oh, it's It's an insane argument. Nutballs. Anyway. So, you know, uh, in, in his draft opinion, Alito invoked eminent common law authorities, right? To show how abortion was viewed historically not as a right, but as a criminal act. Uh, you know, a quote from his from his thing, from Alito's thing, he says, two treatises by Sir Matthew Hale likewise described abortion of a quick child. A quick child is one who is past 16 to 18 weeks. Uh, the quickening is the first oh. felt movement of the fetus in the womb, right? Right. So he's talking about a, a one where the baby started moving. So, you know, usually... The fetus. The, right, the fetus started moving. Between 16 to 18 weeks, usually is when that happens. Okay. So treat, two treatises by Sir Matthew Hale likewise described abortion of a quick child who died in the womb as a, quote, great crime and a, quote, great misprision, right? What's that mean? Uh, misprision, a uh, nifty word. Let me... 
Look it up. It is deliberate concealment of one's knowledge of a treasonable act or a felony. Come on. Right? Get your... So, Freaking. and and then later on, uh, Alito said, uh, again, in his draft opinion, he said, Hale wrote that if a physician gave a woman with child a potion to cause an abortion and the woman died, it was murder because the potion was given unlawfully to destroy her child within her, right? So we're kind of starting there. He leaned, as you can see, really heavily on this guy. Mm-hmm. So who was this guy? So he was a, Sir Matthew Hale was a 17th century jurist. So he lived and worked in the 1600s, okay. right? He became Lord Chief Justice of England in 1671. He was really uh, respected in his time. Uh, and he wrote- <laughs> By whom? Well, by, <laughs> by by all the other dudes. You know by what I mean? the other dudes who wrote history and said he was really respected totally. in that time. Yeah. His, I have a feeling there were some people who didn't respect him so much. Mm. <laughs> so his contemporaries included Oliver Cromwell, Charles II, right? Like, like all the all the thinkers all the, of the time. All the white dude property owners. He was in respected, in perhaps even venerated. Uh, he was known for his piety and his sober judgment. This is all, you know, this is just what people are saying about how he was viewed at the time. Right. Obviously, like... We don't need to say snarky things every okay. single thing I say about maybe this. Maybe I do. Maybe I actually do. Yeah, maybe you do. <laughs> uh, this is how people thought about him 350 years ago, right? The people who wrote the history. That's right. Uh, he, and he wrote a two-volume legal treatise called The History of the Pleas of the Crown that has proved influential ever since. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about common law, uh, like courts have for a long time like leaned on precedents established by old cases and the scholarship of legal authorities from centuries gone by. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that stuff wasn't formalized at first. It was just sort of commonly understood and sort of coalesced into law. And so when you hear like the phrase common law, that's kind of what that means. It's like just all the customs and traditions going back hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, half a cent, half a millennium, you mm-hmm. know, hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. It's all the stuff that kind of coalesced into and eventually got formalized as law. Okay. You know, it's sort of the starting point for like all this sort of European law that then kind of became our law. Okay. Um, and so what's pro- what's problematic about this guy, I mean, first of all, he's just misogynist and horrible and terrible, but also like he just made a lot of the shit that he said up out of thin air. What? Totally out of thin air. Like, for example, consider the marital rape exemption. Oh, my God. And so in his pleas of the crown, you know, treatise that he wrote, his his legalistic framework that he wrote, he, he wrote this in it. He wrote, the husband cannot be guilty of a rape committed by himself upon his lawful wife, for by their mutual matrimonial consent and contract, the wife hath given up herself in this kind unto her husband, which she cannot retract. So according to Hale, marriage for a woman is basically contractual forfeit in which she loses legal protection or recourse should her husband sexually assault her. Like basically part of the marriage contract if you're a woman is you are basically signing away those rights to your husband. Uh, It's really, really nuts. And so, but hold on. Okay. And so his this pronouncement became the accepted common law and served as the foundation in the United States for immunizing a husband accused of raping his wife. Okay, so this wasn't, he didn't write this down based on the fact that this has just been the tradition and the way things are and the way everybody accepts the way things are. He just made this up. He indeed appears to have been the first person ever to articulate 
what subsequently would become an accepted legal principle that a husband cannot be charged with raping his oh wife, according to a footnote in, a, in one law review article. Uh, it was uh, an, another law review article titled The Marital Rape Exemption uh, called his pronouncement, quote, an unsupported extrajudicial statement lacking in authority. So he literally just made this up one day. He just one day, he's like, you know what? Men can't rape their wives. And here's the reason I'm just... Just saying right now out of my mouth about this. It doesn't have any history from anywhere. Mm. It's not how they used to do it in Spain where <laughs> his grandfather was from. You know what I mean? Nothing like right. that. It's just like he just said it. And it has been the basis of this incredibly problematic legal framework, like basically sort of meaning that women have had no rights for a really, really long time because of this. And I mean, like the marital rape thing, that persisted up until like 1970-ish. Oh, I know. You know, like know. 300 solid years right. from like 1670 to like 1970. This thing that he just literally made up one day out of his mouth was just became, here's, here's how we view women's legal rights in a marriage, you know? Uh, and here's how we view women's rights vis-a-vis -vis abortion. Mm -hmm. it, it's just utterly wild. Like he just made a bunch of this stuff up. And let it, lest it be like, unclear. Here is the type of person he was. Here, I'm reading right now from a book he wrote called Letters of Advice. I think it was called Letters of Advice to My Granddaughters, maybe. Take your advice and shove it, dude. No, it was literally like a 200-page long book of, of advice that he wrote for his three granddaughters. Oh my God. Here's just a little snippet, and it's like, it's literally just like screenshot from like an old print of the book I'm reading Let right now. Let me get a bag so I can vomit when you're done. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, he's talking about women here. He says, they know the ready way to consume an estate and to ruin a family quickly, but neither know nor can endure to learn or practice the ways and methods to save it or increase it. And it is no wonder that great portions are expected with them, for their portions are commonly all their value, and commonly within a few years, nigh possibly a few months, they run their husbands into debt or spend as much money as their portions come to. And then they are a sort of chargeable, unprofitable people. They neither know how to housewife nor manage what is left unspent. Oh, my God. He's just like a terrible person who hates just, women. He thinks nothing about women whatsoever, right? Yeah. And just based on that... And based on the stature he was elevated to as a jurist, as a prominent and respected jurist, just made up all this shit about like, oh, because women are terrible people, barely even people, they shouldn't have any rights. Mm -hmm. And it's literally not possible to rape them because when they marry a, a guy, they become an extension of that guy. And it's basically, his logic was, well, if, if, it's, if it's basically, if your wife is a part of you, it's not possible to rape yourself. So it's not possible, a wife cannot be raped. Right. It's, it's not conceptually possible to rape a wife because she's your property. And you're saying, you were saying to me that this guy was well-respected in his time. It really, not just in his time, for hundreds of years after. Really, and indeed so respected that Justice Samuel Alito, in the year of our Lord, 2022, is citing him as an authoritative antecedent for the common law that dictated how women were viewed at the founding of our country, which is why we can no longer, we can't give them abortion rights now, because this is the law at the beginning of the country. Just random misogynistic bullshit made up, literally made up by one woman hating oh, guy. It's not random. I mean, if this guy, if Jonathan Hale was given the the podium he was given in his time by his first name's uh, Matthew. Oh, it's Matthew. I'm sorry, I thought you said Jonathan. Anyway, Hale, whatever this guy, this douchebag. So <laughs> if he was given the, if, if he was elevated to that kind of importance in his time, yeah. saying this bullshit, mm. I mean, 
that really does say a lot about the people who elevated him, right? Oh, totally. Like, they were, it, it wasn't one, they felt the same it way. It wasn't one guy spouting off some random no. misogyny. He was like the voice of his time. Of course he was. Yeah. People and, were and like, I, oh man, did you see his marital rape thing you wrote the other day? That was amazing. <laughs> totally. Right? Charles, Charles II was like, I really like what you have to say about abortion, my man. And it's not random. It is not random no. at all. It is essential for maintaining a hierarchy in which rich, white, Christian men are at the top always and yeah. forever. It is essential to maintain that hierarchy to deny women and people of color and poor people autonomy over their own existence. Like, yeah. you, you can't allow it, right? Like, Let me play you some more of his greatest hits. Oh, for, really? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So again, in Pleas of the Crown, his... his uh, his landmark legal treatise. Hale, he called rape a, quote, most detestable crime. Okay, fair enough. But then, in words, and I'm reading at this point from a ProPublica piece about this. Okay. In words quoted many times since, Hale wrote, quote, it must be remembered that it is an accusation easy to be made and hard to be proved and harder to be defended by the party accused, though never so innocent. And he evoked what's... Basically saying, like, he said, she said. Yeah, oh, he, it says here, he evoked the fear of the false accuser right. and made for that fear no. a legal framework which lasted for more than 300 years. In weighing the evidence in cases of alleged rape, jurors, all men, of course, in Hale's time and for much of the time after until now, needed to consider a series of factors, Hale wrote. Did the woman cry out? Did she try to flee? Was she of good fame or evil fame? What was, was she wearing? Was she, oh, was she <laughs> su supported by others? Did she make immediate complaint afterward? Oh, my God. And how many times to this day do you hear that in rape cases oh, where the defense attorney is like, well, she didn't tell anybody for two weeks after. I think she probably just had bad feelings about an aff affair gone wrong and then decided she was going to say rape. Guilty, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, and you're saying, you know, it's it's up until this day. It still happens. Like this, like, oh, yeah. this is his, not over. His, Hale's words and formulation became a standard feature of criminal trials in the United States with jurors instructed by judges to be especially wary of allegations of rape, right? With predictable effect, charges of rape were frequently rejected. It's just absolutely nutballs. It really is. Um, and so this guy was has been totally and thoroughly discredited in the modern era, right? Mm. And I'll read a paragraph mm. about that. Starting in the 1970s... Unless you're a Supreme Court justice. Well, yeah. <laughs> Starting in the 1970s, states began to abandon the marital rape exemption in whole or in part. In 1981, the Supreme Court of New Jersey wrote that it could find no support for Hale's proposition among earlier writers. Mm. Like, they actually went back into the history and were like, you know what, I think you just made this up. Nothing corroborated nothing, it. Nothing supported whatsoever. He just like, he was the, the genesis of it, right? Mm. They, they discovered that. Like the Supreme Court of New Jersey, they were, they were like, this guy just made this shit up. Uh -huh. Hale's declaration, the court found, quote, cannot itself be considered a definitive and binding statement of the common law, although legal commentators have often restated the rule since the time of Hale without evaluating its mm. merits. Mm -hmm. In other words, everyone subsequently was just like, all the other misogynist assholes subsequently were just like, yeah, this sounds good. We'll go with this. That's right. This he thing that it. this guy I just made up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In 1984, further, the Supreme Court of Virginia wrote, quote, Hale's statement was not law, common or otherwise. At best, it was Hale's pronouncement of what he observed to be a custom in 17th century England. In other words, men are raping their wives and no one wants to be held accountable for it. So 
That's just my quote unquote custom. The Virginia court went on to note, quote, moreover, Hale cites no authority for his view, nor was it subsequently adopted in its entirety by the English courts, (laughs) right? And so, like, he he has been thoroughly discredited throughout history by multiple state Supreme Courts, right? And yet, here comes Samuel Alito just hold, resurrecting this guy, bringing him right back. Like, ah, this, this guy, very important legal mind, very important th- thinker, foundation of our country's framework, in oh fact. My God. And that's the foundation upon which Alito built his, his entire brief. Wow. It's really, really nuts. Like, it's really bad. Yes, it is. And it hasn't been getting a ton of talk, and it's a little bit complicated, so I just thought it would be good in the spirit of getting less dumb <laughs> to educate ourselves a bit about like where the framework, where, where the foundations of this framework are coming from, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's not like it's a well-considered, like, legalistic no. opinion. It's and just misogynistic bullshit from 350 years ago. Right. And it's not even current misogynistic bullshit. It's not even state-of-the-art right. new misogynistic bullshit. Like, we have made so many advances in misogyny since the 1600s, and he's going back to the source. He's like, you know what? This is where it started from, and it's still the gold standard for me, Samuel Alito, Supreme Court Justice. Okay, let's just do away with the notion, though, that it matters to these people one bit to actually have their arguments substantiated in history or fact or precedent or whatever. It doesn't matter at all. It is a pure raw grab of power, raw power move. Honestly. And it doesn't they don't need they don't they don't care about having anything that is that, that that's actual justification in any way. It, they're just going to do whatever the hell they want to do. His draft opinion could have been one page long and it could have just said we hold that Roe v Wade should be overturned because fuck you. Exactly. Exactly. That's essentially what they're saying. It just he took he took like 90 pages to say it. Yeah. Cuz he's also a blowhard. To make it sound like I'm really, you know, I'm really basing this on like, you know, very smart thinkers from our past and the founding of our country. Because you know what powerful old white guys like? The sound of their own voice. That's so true. Yeah, but also it gives them cover. Like say, look, here's my legal opinion. Mm -hmm. I've gone to law school and I have a legal opinion. I'm on the Supreme Court. Yes. And I I therefore declare in all these fancy words that are going to confuse a lot of you for all the reasons why this is the right decision, blah, 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 blah. Really, it doesn't matter. And I know who I know who Matthew Hale is. Do you? Well, yeah. Anyway, Matthew Hale. Tilly, it's it's disgusting. It's disgusting. I mean, honestly, that mindset uh, of we're going to do whatever the hell we want and f you and the entire at this point the entire Republican Party is operating with that kind of bad faith. Yeah, it's just raw power. That is all they're after. They do not care about any justification for it. They're just they're just gonna do what they want to do. They wanna they wanna they wanna establish a Christian ethno state here in the United States and they are well on their way. Yep. Here we go. Yeah. And there's not a lot of stuff structurally in place right now that's gonna stop them. And everyone keeps getting told vote, vote. And I mean yeah we gotta fucking vote. We gotta get out there and do it. We have to do that's that, that honestly I mean like delivering more no more democratic power in the Senate and keeping the House this November is one of the things that we can actually do to turn this ship around. So that yeah. is, it is maybe the thing. Um, also, <laughs> with the Republican gerrymandering that's happened over the last year post-census, and with the voting restrictions that have been put into place over the last year and a half, it may not be possible structurally, structurally for us to do that, even if we have the votes and the support. Because that's the other thing they did, is they have been structurally working really, really hard over the last like year and a half based on the big lie, to make it so that people who don't vote the way they want to vote, which is to say 
white Republicans mm -hmm. can vote. Mm -hmm. So like people of color, Democrats, no, they're, they're making it structurally much, much, much harder for them to get their votes counted in place where it could really make a difference. Like where we live, Washington, it doesn't really make a difference. Our state goes reliably blue all of the time by ridiculously big margins. California, Oregon, same thing. You know what I mean? But when you get to somewhere like Wisconsin or Georgia, like stuff is right on the line. It's purple as hell. Arizona, you know what I mean? Like Arizona, a red state nominally, but they went for Biden in the last presidential election. There's certainly the ability there to do that, but they've been enacting so many voter restrictions over the last couple of years. Who knows if that would even be possible now? We're going to find out in 2022. Yeah. Like I imagine that probably this will be the beginning of stolen elections and then 2024 will be much bigger stolen mm -hmm. elections. And like, we'll, may, we may just get what we get. Regardless well, of how yeah, how I, much we vote. Yeah, that is entirely possible. And still, yep. we have to work our asses off to turn out as many people as we can to the polls. We're, we're, we're running the race with with our legs tied together. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that that's the kind of, you know, handicap that that these Republican voter suppression measures in these states has done for us. We we have it's a it's a massive uphill battle for us, mm -hmm. but we also don't have a choice but to 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 try to get up that hill. Yeah. We really don't have a choice. I mean, what else are we going to do? Just give up? No. 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 We're not going to do it. So thank you. I do feel less dumb, but I also feel a lot more pissed off. So if I Let's get more mad. Appreciate that. <laughs> Welcome to our new episode, oh our, our new topic. God. Let's get more mad. Ugh. Hey, let's turn this uh, ship around. Okay. Why don't we careen into Where's My Gold Star? And man, it is a song week. It's a new song week. I'm so excited. You want to set this up? Yes, I will. Okay, so uh, it's, first of all, been a little bit of time mm -hmm. since we released a song. We had our family trip visit to your parents and, and your family in Vermont. Yep. And so we knew that was going to be a little bit of an added time in between. Mm -hmm. And then you had like this ear infection-y thing that made it so you couldn't work on music last week. So I we couldn't work on music for like four days, y'all. I just like had a, I had a eustachian tube dysfunction, yeah. which sounds so scary when they say it like that. All it means is like it wasn't draining liquid properly. They gave me, literally they prescribed me Sudafed. But yeah. Yeah, and it cleared it all up, well, and it's great. Fine, yeah. But what that means is, like, while you were clogged up, you couldn't hear music properly, so you couldn't work on music. Properly. There was a delay. So we delayed. So, we, But here we are with a new song, At Long Last, and I'm glad to be back um, on the wheel here with this. Um, so just a, a brief catch-up mm -hmm. where, of where we've been so far mm -hmm. in this album project journey, right? This whole journey, each song is, is a step in the journey of, of the idea of... of cultivating peace of mind and grabbing a hold of our agency during difficult circumstances. And um, man, I was, I was actually really grateful to have this project to dive into this past week since this Roe versus Wade draft uh, opinion leaked last week. Because like, again, this is one of those circumstances where I just, th these are the tools that I need to help me personally work through something like this, you know? Um, and, and so I was, I was really grateful to have this to dive into. But, but the idea, we're sort of, sort of like broadly, um, loosely sort of tracking some of the tools within, that are contained within the serenity prayer, which is God, and God is whatever you need or want it to be, right? This is not a religious prayer. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. And so I'm kind of like walking through sort of the way that I sort of perceive those words as a sort of a step-by-step -step process by which I can process things 
in a way that helps cultivate peace within me and helps me actually use my agency in times that are difficult, okay? So we've been through some steps where it's like, you know, we need to name, name the thing that's really, you know, robbing us of our peace. And then what are we feeling about it? And what, based on those feelings, what are our immediate reactions, those coping mechanisms that, that we go to, you know, first that, that may or may not serve us, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then let's, let's take a look at, let's, let's examine those things. Then let's look at um, the ways in which going to those coping mechanisms often reveal parts of, of how we're trying to deal with it. We're trying to, we're trying to uh, take action in ways, uh, in, in areas in which we actually don't have any power. And so we're really kind of com- coming to the, the place of confronting our powerlessness, right? And mm-hmm. places, the areas in which we don't have power. Acknowledging those things and then and then coming to a place of acceptance mm-hmm. of those things, right? Okay, accepting the things I cannot change. That the, the first part of all of that to me feels like a clearing out, right? Because when I when I you know try to try to react and lash out and exert my power in a situation in which I don't have power, I, I get stuck in an eddy. I get, I, it, it, it robs me of my energy and of my peace. And it's not, it's not good for anybody, right? I'm not getting, I'm not making any progress. I'm not getting anything done. So this first, the first, the first several steps of this was really just sort of a clearing out. Like let's, let's just get rid of all the stuff that might get in the way of me actually getting in touch with what I need and what I can do, Right. Mm-hmm. So the last song, which was about courage to change the things I can, it's like, why, why would courage be required? And we explored that idea. But here we come to this next phase of the journey where we're going to actually use that courage that we have chosen to do the things we can do. Mm-hmm. And I found myself like, okay, here we are. Let's go. I'm ready to go. Let's fucking go. LFG, you know, like, <laughs> let's do the things we can do. And and I and I found myself thinking, well, okay, here I'm at the start. Here I am at the starting line of this next phase of things. What the hell do I do? How do I know what to do? Like, wh- who's who's going to tell me? Like, is someone going to tell me what to do? You know. And I realized that at this point of thing, at, at this stage of things, really, this next step is is a is a pausing, and it's about listening, and and it's about. In, a, in an ironic sort of way, circling back a couple steps up back to those feelings that I felt like I was experiencing in the, you know, when I, when I the, not the reactions, but the feelings that led to those reactions a few steps back, mm-hmm. you know? Let's go back to those feelings and instead of just reacting to those feelings, let's maybe look at them a little bit deeper and see what they might be able to tell me about how to move forward. Because one of the things that I learned in 12-step recovery, and, and, and it's been reaffirmed in observation of a lot of different spiritual traditions over time as well, over the last 17 years since I started 12-step recovery, is this idea that feelings, I am not my feelings, first of all. True. And that feelings um, can actually be useful to mm. me. They may not, they, they're not necessarily good or bad. Right? True. They can be just useful. They just are what they are. They are what they are. They are like messengers. They are like messengers that give me like a little coded map <laughs> that I can decipher to figure out what it is that I need. Mm-hmm. Right? Feelings are are like a map to to telling me what it is that I need. And it's and, like, and they really are value neutral. Like judging feelings is like judging waves in the ocean. Right. They just are. They are. Yeah. Yeah. 
but I had to do a lot of work to just to divorce myself of the idea that I was my feelings because that's how I existed for a long time. Oh, for sure. Very you know? reactionary. Yeah. Me too. So, so this idea of if feelings are messengers and, the, and that the, the messages that they bring me can point me toward what I need. If I can identify what I need, mm-hmm. well, then I can go back to these lists that I, that I made previously. Things I have the power to change, things I don't have the power to change. Mm-hmm. If I can kind of compare my, my list of the needs I have to the list of things that I have the power to change, well, then I've got direction about what to do. Because maybe there's some overlap exactly. and those are the things you can address. Exactly. Yeah. And there's, that is powerful. That mm-hmm. is, when I, when I really started to like examine um, that process, what I, what I realized is happening there is that is the beginning of cultivating the power within me. You know, mm-hmm. we talked about where I was powerless before, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that I am powerless writ large. No. Right? I have the ability to cultivate power within me. And this is the key, I think, that unlocks it all for me. Mm-hmm. Listen to what I'm feeling. Listen to the message it's bringing me. Listen to how it's pointing me to what I need. And mm-hmm. then and then using what I know about what I what is in my power to do to address that need mm-hmm. or those needs. Yeah. You know, that's the beginning of all this. And so this song is about listening. It is about being in that space and figuring out what it is that I need to do to get in that space of, of listening. And, and for, for me, it's different on different days. You know, the thing that I need to do to get to, to listen. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's journaling. Sometimes it's getting on, getting my shoes on and going for a hike among the trees, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, when the weather's nice. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's, taking a nap, laying on the couch and just drifting and thinking. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's writing a song. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it, it's a lot, of, it can take a lot of different forms, but it always requires me to to get inside a still mind in some way, mm-hmm. you know, to, to clear out uh, distractions, to, to clear out my own expectations of myself, to clear out expectations others might have of me, to clear out any other influence and just listen. Mm -hmm. And I think that I spent a lot of my life being terrified of actually listening and paying attention to my feelings because I was so ruled by them, Mm -hmm. right? That, you know, I figured out, as a lot of people do, how to distract myself from the feelings, to avoid them, to numb myself from them. But when when I came to the understanding that actually listening to them is the source of like, all of the power within me. Mm -hmm. Wow, what a change, you know? And so this song is really about getting to that place. And I hope you enjoy it. It is called The Silent Sea. Hold still. Don't 
just super moving to me. Mm. Always has been mm. since the very uh, very first time you played it for me. There's That's just something cool. about it that just kind of gets me. That's cool. Yeah. I realized that when I was writing the lyrics, I was I was using you language, like, you know, like I was telling somebody what to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I, and I realized after I was done reading, like the person I was telling was me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's me. I'm talking to myself mm-hmm. in this song, yeah. you know, um, just as a reminder of like, here's what you got to do. You can yeah. do this. You know, so, sometimes you got to do self-talk. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes it's just sort of in the third person. Yeah. <laughs> third person self-talk. Hi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, and I think you did a, just a brilliant job on the mix of this song and in shepherding it to its final stage. It really, I, I wanted this song to, to feel warm and inviting and just create a mood where it might actually be possible to to imagine myself getting centered onto you know in, within myself and listening to those deep parts you know and hmm. I think that, I really do think that the, the the way that the song feels yeah makes me feel that way that's great I'm so happy to hear you say that that was absolutely the thing that I keyed into on it and what I was going for mm. and I had to make a lot of really specific decisions in terms of like. Like the 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 EQ of it, and for people listening, if you're not sure what that means, like if you're car stereo, you know, you've got like the bass knob and the treble knob, and if you turn them different directions, it makes the sound brighter or less bright or more bassy or less bassy. Mm. You can do all those sorts of changes on an instrument by instrument basis when you're working on you know a recording like we do, and the cumulative effect of all those decisions that you make kind of shapes how the whole thing feels. And it was like this interesting thing where it's like, on the one hand, I want it to be really warm Mm -hmm. and very inviting, which would tend to be like, well, not a ton of high-end, nothing real aggressive sounding, like high-frequency sounds. Mm -hmm. But also, there are demands placed by the fact we're working inside like a modern pop music construct. You can't just have something that's like super dark and blankety sounding because it would just sound wrong. Yeah, of course. You know? So it was a question of like, how do I balance those things out and where can I push different parts of the frequency spectrum so I'm leaving that space in the middle of it, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and I'm happy that it worked out well for you. It worked. It felt good for me too. Yeah. I definitely have dreamy moments now when I listen to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like maybe you're thinking I would get a gold star for that. Oh, absolutely gold star for you. Wow, amazing. <laughs> and so ironically, really, you should be the one getting gold stars because it's your song, but that one just sort of happened for me. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> well, can I also have a gold star? Let me think. Okay. Yes. Okay, great. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. Excellent. Great song. That was a you. really good song. Really loved a lot of the sonic choices you made for it. Loved the way you sang the vocals. Mm. You know, there's definitely just like a cool, dreamy feel. I really feel like this one has a vibe about it. Yeah. And it's I really do like that. Own little world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And something I want to uh, point out also for the listeners, um, that washy sound that happens in the choruses and then the t- chorus tag that happens sort of the end of the choruses. Mm. That is, uh, that's a very long reverberation. So reverb is something, imagine like when you're in like a parking garage and you say something kind of loud or you drop your keys and it kind of makes that long. Yeah. 
Like that's what reverb is. And there's ones inside the computer that you can make to sound all kinds of different ways. You can just change the controls to make them sort of sound any way you want. And I did this really nuanced reverb design on this. But what I did is like, because there's all these different vocal layers happening, right? Mm -hmm. And so for the the chorus, the main part of the chorus, Shannon is singing sort of a unison vocal, one one sort of main vocal, then one an octave above it the entire way through. And that sort of parking garage reverb thing is keying <laughs> off of the higher vocal. So it's got like a higher pitch to right. it, which makes you focus more on the main vocal because that comes through clearer. Uh. And then the high thing kind of creates these high splashes, which to me sound like the ocean. I was trying to make it sound like the ocean, you know, yeah, but like from further away. Totally works. But then in the chorus tag, which is that repeated part oh, on uh -huh. the shore of the silent sea that happens at yeah. the end of the choruses. Yeah. That also has an octave vocal, but for that part, I keyed that reverb. I triggered it off of the lower vocal, oh. which does two things. It accentuates the dreaminess of that high one because now the higher one doesn't have the echo on it. Mm -hmm. And also what it does is it pitches that sound, that splashy mm. ocean sound, an octave lower, mm -hmm. which brings it closer to you. It makes it sound like the sh like it's starting to crash onto the shore right near mm. you, like the, shore, like the tide is coming in with a ship. That's cool. Yeah. Very cool. Thought you might be interested in that. Well, thanks for sharing. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. So, uh, this feels important. Please hold for a very important message. What you got? Yeah, so I, I, I hate to say that I'm I'm building a little bit more on sort of the fallout. <laughs> the row stuff. The row stuff. It, it sort of is, you know, and... But People, I, we're going to do our best to keep it sort of brief. Well, it, it is. It's, it's, not, it's not really... It's not about the row stuff directly, okay. But it, the, but it felt important to me to talk about this this week because of the row stuff. Let's well, what is it? it? So um, this past weekend, we we've been doing such a good job taking weekends mm -hmm. and like not working on the weekends, doing our best. It's so good. Yep. Um, and watching movies and mm -hmm. things like that. And on on the, this past weekend, we we had a two movie night. Mm -hmm. We watched some fun thing, and then we were scrolling to look for something else, and. For whatever reason, Apple TV movie selection threw up the never-ending story as an option for us. From like so, 1985 when we were kids. Yeah. And I mean, it's been forever since I've seen it. I, in fact, I don't, I'm not even sure I did see it when I was a kid. But I wanted to watch it specifically because when I was a kid, I, there was a movie I saw that like haunted my dreams for a long time after that. And I don't know what the movie is. You were wondering if it was this one. And I thought it might be this one. It's not. It turns out, so my quest continues to find out with what quest movie from a kid when I was a kid that haunted my dreams. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and it was a quest movie. Mm. Um, but we watched The Never Ending Story, which uh, was just very charming. And if you've not seen the movie, um, the, the sort of the general like recap of the plot is that uh, there's this world called Fantasia and mm -hmm. you come to find out that this entire, this, this, this world of Fantasia where there's all these like just creative characters, giants made out of rock and, you know, elves with funny voices and... A, characters a, who are just a big, huge head. Yeah. Just like, lots of fantastical, yes. cool, little gentle creatures. And you come to find out in the, over the course of the movie that, that Fantasia as a land exists because it was created by human imagination. That's right. That all the it's things, the sum total of everyone's imagination and it all comes together to make this virtual country. Yes, this virtual land, land. universe, almost. yes, yeah, and this it, it, you you find out toward the beginning of the movie that that 
that there is this force called the nothing mm-hmm. that has begun to eat away and and really just disappear parts of Fantasia. Yeah. And so there are characters from these these far flung places in Fantasia trying to make their way to the ivory tower where the Empress lives mm-hmm. to try to ask her for help yeah. in beating back the nothing. How do we stop this? Yes. And uh, you come to find out through the course of the movie that that the nothing is actually the result of human imagination decreasing, that people are losing their ability to imagine things. Mm -hmm. And therefore, the literal boundaries of the land of Fantasia are shrinking. It is decreasing and and it's it's in threat of being completely demolished or, or destroyed. And so... We're watching this movie, and there's a scene toward like like kind of right at, right at like the apex where the hero is, you know, on this quest to try to save the the land, and the this this dark evil character in the form of like some wolf type character mm-hmm. is sort of telling part of the the story of why this is happening to Fantasia, and in his telling of this, and he's very menacing and threatening, he says, "When people don't have hope, they're easier to control." And whoever has the control has the power. Dun, dun, dun. And both Jamie and I stopped and looked at each other. We're like, hmm, true. Yes, that's true. Very relevant. Relevant. Childhood movie of ours. Exactly. And so I just thought it was important to talk about hope. Mm. That's why I wanted to talk about this and that this feels important. Mm. Because... You know, I, I I have found myself, and I imagine there are a lot of you out there who have found yourself over the last week and a half in the wake of this. And it's just the latest assault on the goodness yeah. <laughs> of the world, right? It's just the latest thing. There, are, there have been so many yeah. over the last number of years. It's been a rough six years. Yeah. But, but I'm sure that you have found yourself, like me, having moments of, like, despair or yeah. being tempted to... To despair, yeah, you know, because it's really big. I mean, we were just early, just earlier in the podcast talking about the uphill battle we face with voting in November. I mean, mm-hmm. the, that feels really freaking hard, and like, I don't feel hopeful about it. Yeah. But here we have this, you know, this very true statement: when people don't have hope, they're easier to control, and whoever has the control has the power. And here's the thing: is I am not. I, I, it's really important for us to not. To not lose our hope, to not lose our imagination, right? This story, the the movie that we watched, and now I hope you go watch this movie if you're listening to this, The Never Ending Uh, Story. It's really sweet and lovely. It is. But like, I feel like there's something, you know, this movie is about the idea of human imagination and and why why we need it, Mm -hmm. right? Why it's important. And, And this character identifying the fact of people losing hope as t- in, tied in with this idea of losing imagination. I don't think that's, a, I don't think that, that was accidental. I think that hope and imagination are very much intertwined yes. with one another. And because I started thinking about like, where, where do we get hope? Like if I ask you, Jamie, where do I get hope? What, what springs to your mind? Like, I'm, and I'm totally springing this on you. So yeah, I apologize. No, it's okay. Uh, what gives me hope is seeing other people feeling a sense of possibility. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Which I know sounds a little bit circular, but it's easy to 
get into my own head about stuff like this mm-hmm. and just feel despairing. Mm. But when I see other people taking actions that they wouldn't necessarily take in a world that was devoid of hope, mm. it gives me hope, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's, an, that's part of the equation, right? Like mm-hmm. that is part of the feedback loop. I think then, okay, well, how did those people get their sense of possibility? Mm-hmm. How did they do that? And I think it comes back to this idea that has come to me over the last number of years, really this, this idea that's been really forming in a, in a more crystalline way, mm-hmm. really in the last five, six years, is this idea that hope isn't something to be found, it's something to be made. Sure. We create hope. Like it's a not, gratitude practice. Yes, exactly. Or a small daily example of how you can do that. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, but, and that's honestly the first thing I jotted down here is that like, how, when we ask the question, how do we create hope? Mm-hmm. The very first thing on my list is by doing our internal work to clear space in our spirits so that we can act where and where we when and where we can, right? Yeah. Like it is as essential to any of this is every single one of us committing to doing our internal work, to doing the stuff where we listen to our feelings and we figure out which reactions haven't been serving us and we dismiss them and we choose a different way. We choose looking at where we are powerless and accepting those parts of it and then turning and then being able to turn our attention to where we can affect change right like that that internal work that clearing out space so that we can actually have a sense of peace and purpose within us that really i think gives us the strength to and the courage to act in the ways that we can mm-hmm. right like so doing your work matters like how do you do your work? Are you are you doing? Do you do daily meditation? Do you do do you do um, yoga? Yoga. Do you do you do some creative effort that helps you process the things you need to process inside you? Like our these, friend Catherine Paints. Maybe this is that for her. Exactly. This is. I, I want to. I want to really underscore the the point that doing your internal work, focusing on those things inside yourself, is not selfish. Mm-mm. And it helps make a better version of you where you can show up better for other people. Exactly. That's the first thing we need to do. Because look, I can't, I don't, I don't have the capacity to imagine anything good if I'm overcome by the mire that I've not dealt with inside me. Yeah. You know, I, I don't have the capacity. So doing that internal work is like the one of the very first things that I think all of us can do to, to help create hope. Um, and then by actually changing the things we can. And this is, I wanted to bring in this conversation we had with our dear friend and misfit star, Katie, mm-hmm. this week. She DM'd us a Twitter thread um, that was really lovely. And it's very long, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to try to summarize some of the points that feel relevant to this particular conversation. But mm-hmm. um, but it was, you know, it, it was along the lines of, um, uh, uh, you know, people are saying, well, you should just vote. That's how we deal with this situation. Everybody just needs to vote. Okay, yeah, this thread was like, but there's there's a whole lot more that is maybe more effective. Mm-hmm. We do have to vote. Yes, definitely got to do that. Yeah. But like, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that we can do. Um, we need to organize is what this person was. Yeah. That was the basically that, about building community connections and community power and relationships. Yes. Mutual aid is what it was basically talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. But what I loved about the this person's perspective is that um it's it's about thinking like yeah, like yes, we have to be part of the big movements like voting and protesting and all that stuff. But also we we need to think small mm-hmm. and think local and think about specific needs. Yeah. 
that we can help meet in our community. Think about specific needs that we need met in our community and, yeah. and build the kind of relationships within our neighborhoods and our and our local communities where we can actually ask for help for those needs. Right. Right. That that kind of organizing creates the fabric of a society mm-hmm. that actually might have a shot at changing the big stuff down the road. Like those small actions really matter. Yeah. Um, and and honestly, you know, I feel like we we have that in our neighborhood. Like we were really lucky to have a situation a couple of years ago with the the uh, a, a project that some developer wanted to come in and build in our neighborhood. And if you were listening to our podcast back then, you heard a lot about this, but our neighborhood had to organize to keep uh, this developer from developing a storage unit right in the middle of our, our residential neighborhood. Yeah. And it brought us all together. We know each other now and we can rely on each other for things. Like I know I could right now pick up the phone and call any number of like, up to 10 people with the, live within a two-block radius yeah. <laughs> of here if I needed help with something. You Absolutely. Know? And they and would they come can, right over. And vice versa. Yep. They know that they can count on us. Living in a place where, where we've had the opportunity and, and we have taken the opportunity, I think, to cultivate that makes me feel on a day-to-day basis more hopeful, right? Yeah. It's, it's a, and small hopes beget larger hopes. You know, like mm-hmm. that's that's how part of how this works, and I think this is where where it comes in when you were saying earlier how like, when you see the, a sense of possibility in other people, like this kind of stuff is infectious. Yeah, right. That's part of the equation that when we create those little moments of imagination and hope, that it inspires other people. Right. Like I need to see other people doing that, but I also can be the person that inspires someone else to begin thinking about that way and begin thinking that way in their own life. You know, um, that 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 it just creates an atmosphere where hope can thrive when we do that for each other. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to like the last point I wanted to make on this is that we've got to continue to dream and to imagine the lives that we want mm-hmm. and the world that we want. Yeah. And we need to do the things in our own personal lives that encourage our ability to dream and imagine. Yeah. Because if we can't imagine it, it will never be. True. Right? So like what are the things that what are the things that you can do? What are the things that you can do to cultivate an atmosphere in your own spirit where dreaming and imagining is possible. Like my, my, my short list here is play, rest, pleasure, mm-hmm. self-care, mm-hmm. internal work. Yeah. You know, those are all things that we can do. And it seems very small compared to the massively huge problems that we're facing, right? Yeah. Like it really does, but it really matters. Like it really is the foundational building block. I think of us getting to a place where we can build power with each other to eventually make the kind of world that we actually want. Yeah. You know? So it felt important to dwell on that for a minute. Thank you for indulging me. No, I appreciate it. And I would love to hear from our listeners if anyone wants to message us uh, in, you know, on Facebook, in the Misfit Stars social network. Uh, if you want to send us an email, that's fine. I am Jamie and Shannon is Shannon at MisfitStars.com. Uh, we would love to know, like, what you're doing to just mm. to... to cultivate that feeling of hope inside yourself and keep it alive in your life mm-hmm. in difficult times. Yeah. Because we're in difficult times right now. Yeah. You know, we feel it. I know you feel it too. Yeah, and I imagine a world, specific specific to the Rose situation, I imagine and I dream of a world 
in which every person has the freedom to use their bodies in the way that they want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, that, and that every person's reproductive health and health in general is supported by a system that, that behaves in such a way that, we, that, 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 that reflects a belief that healthcare is a human right. Mm-hmm. Those are some of the things I dream and imagine with regard to this row thing in specific. Mm-hmm. Um, I might actually, I might actually give myself some homework to like write down some more dreams. Mm. You know, like that might be a good thing to do to just, you know, we know what we're against, right? We know, we know that yeah. we know what we're against when these things come down the pike and like are like holy crap, what's happening to our country and our world. But maybe it would be a good exercise to actually put pencil to paper and like imagine the pot, the, imagine what I want, yeah. not what I don't want. <laughs> what are you for? Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. that'd be a good thing to do. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Shall we cruise into the inspiration station? Inspiration station. I just have a quote. Can't wait. Yeah. What do you have? So it's from uh, an educational reformer uh, from the 19th century uh, named Horace Mann. He was born in 1796. He died in 1859. And he had this thought. Okay. And the language is a little (laughs) old-timey. And here was his thought. Do not think of knocking out another person's brains because he differs in opinion from you. It would be as rational to knock yourself on the head because you differ from yourself 10 years ago. Oh, man. Right? Yeah, take that to heart. It's a good admonition for these divisive times. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like like I shared in last week's podcast, I spent a good part of the first part of my life as a person who voted for anti-abortion causes because that's what I thought was right. Sure. Right? I changed my mind. Yeah. Given, I had terrible ideas. better evidence and examination of it. But I I need to leave room for other people to have a change of mind experience too, and not not like yeah. knock them out because that's they haven't it. gotten there yet. Can't discount people. Sometimes people just come to stuff later than I do. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, for sure. I came to stuff later than some people too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there were definitely a whole bunch of people in my college who, like in retrospect, looking back at it now. You know, we're like super on point with how they thought about things, mm. you know, like social justice mm. and race issues and stuff like that. Mm. And I was just not ready at the time. Mm. I was sympathetic, mm. but I also wasn't like passionate. You know what I mean? Right. And sometimes I was kind of annoyed, you know, <laughs> like, can't we have more fun? It also seems so preachy. You know what I mean? <laughs> and in retrospect, they were like a decade ahead of where I was at. Yeah. But I didn't get there until I was like much older. Yeah. It's a good call to humility. Yes, it's it is. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Appreciate it. How about we finish up with a little gratitude crank up? Sounds good. Um, I'll start. Uh, today, I am grateful for the beautiful day we had. Because God, we've had so much rain lately. Like we've it's the had... beginning of rain, many of May. We've already broken record rain records for May, just in the first like week of May. To clarify what Shannon is saying, the record for rainfall in the entire month of May. We just broke a couple of days ago on the 8th of yeah, May. Yeah, okay. And yeah. we still have all the rest of the next 20 days of rain. Right. 
to add on top of that. <laughs> it's been so rainy and cold, you guys. It's so, been like 42 and rainy. Yeah. So today's beautiful weather. I It just felt so good. And we had the opportunity to be outside visiting these friends who had come from out of town. And so to just be outside this afternoon and soak up some sun and to breathe the fresh air and to hear the birds, it just felt great. And I'm so grateful for that time. It was wonderful. Love it. How about you? I'm grateful for younger people who value our friendship. Mm. Means a lot to me. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, everyone's got friends their own age, you know? <laughs> but when you have someone younger than you who, like, like a lot younger than you, like 20 years <laughs> younger than you who, like, wants to be your friend in a peer kind of way, mm. means a lot. Yeah. Really cool. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm grateful for that today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. You all, I'm grateful for you mm-hmm. for listening. Thank Same. you so much for spending some time with us today. Um, it means a lot that you did that. Um, yeah. We get on here and we talk about stuff that feels important to us to talk about. And, you know, in a lot of ways, that's good enough, right? Mm-hmm. We, we've had an opportunity to hash out some stuff that, that's been good for me personally. Yep. You know? This is essentially a selfish exercise. (laughs) It's like therapy, but you have to listen. But the fact that you decided to tune in today, it's like you pulled yourself up in a a seat next to me on my couch and hung out with us for a little while. And it means a lot that you did that. And it also means a lot to me uh, to have the support of our Misfit Stars who make this podcast possible. Yes. Who make possible all of the work that we do. This Financially. You make it possible financially. I want to be really clear about that. Thank you. Yes because of your financial support. This album that we're making, the mentorship that we do, that Jamie has just been like going like gangbusters on this last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, this podcast, your your financial support makes all of that go. It's a and- bunch of people who have signed up to just pitch in every month uh, on a day each month of their choosing, a small dollar amount of their choosing. Mm-hmm. It's a thing that you, if you're listening to this, could also do. Mm-hmm. You could just do that. You could go to misfitstars.com support. You could pick, what I always like to say to people is pick a dollar amount that if it were just to disappear from your bank account every month on, I don't know, the 10th, like you wouldn't notice it. You wouldn't miss it. An amount so small and trivial to you that you just wouldn't miss it. That's different for everyone. For some people, five bucks is a lot of money. For some people, it's, we have a a buck a day level. You know, if you wouldn't miss a buck a day going out of your bank account, you can sign up for that one. It's literally like $31 a day. Very dorky. (laughs) $31 a month. Uh, Yeah, $31 a month, a month. Yeah, because it's a buck a day. Yeah. Yeah, which is nerdy. But like for some people, like that's what's comfortable for them, you know? The point is that you can find, you can just really say like what the amount is that it's that, that magical number for you where it just wouldn't be onerous. You wouldn't even notice it, you know? Because you not noticing it isn't the same as us not noticing it because mm-hmm. it's magnified by the, all the other people who are also doing their small dollar amount. Right. Because it's not just you. It's a bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. The power in crowdfunding is in the crowd. Yeah. It's not in any individual person. No one person is making or breaking this for us. Mm-hmm. It's a group effort. We yeah. have a bunch of people who have said... I believe in what Jamie and Shannon are doing. I would like to help support it in a small way financially. I just want to add my voice to the choir of other people Mm -hmm. who are saying, I believe in this too. Mm -hmm. And you all put together are literally helping us do our work in the world. You are. That's it. You are. You're helping us do our work in the world. You're also providing us 
uh, the ability to dream and imagine new ways to do our work in the world. Yeah. Like, yep. it's really cool. So thank you. If you want to get in on this action, please do it. Do it right now. Misfitstars.com slash support. Yeah. That's where you go. You do the thing. And thank you so much. Uh, if you do it before our meetup on the 22nd, you'll get an invitation and maybe we'll get to say thank you to you in person via Zoom. No that big would be deal. lovely. Yeah. Um, we'll be back next week with more. Thank mm -hmm. you so much for listening. Uh, in the meantime, please take good care of yourselves and be good to each other. Yeah, we love y'all. Bye. Bye.